So while the cat's away, the mice will play, right? So here I am. So um, there's been a couple things that, uh, am I just sorting out a little bit? Or is it just me? No? Okay. 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 A um, couple things that I have, um, since I knew I was going to be sharing, I've been thinking about a couple of things that he's been working on me about. And so I was kind of moving in one direction. And this last week, he just kind of blew my mind a little bit. So it all changed. So this morning, um, I'm going to talk uh, about Moses, actually. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus 3. Um, I'm hoping as we dive into this story, um, a few things just kind of jump off the page like they did me. So um, we're going to jump into Exodus 3, but I will give you a little background on Exodus 1 and 2. Um, so Moses was born to an Israelite family. At that time, um, the right before this, the Egyptians made Israelites their slaves. And so um, Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, made a decree that all the uh, male newborn babies were to be killed because basically the Israelites were outnumbering the Egyptians and that was going to be a problem. Um, so Moses' mother was able to basically keep him a secret for so long until she knew she couldn't. And so in order to save his life, she put him, and it, probably everyone knows this story, but put him in a basket put him down the Nile River, and headed him towards um, Pharaoh's house, basically hoping that the daughter, Pharaoh's daughter, would love this baby and take this baby in as her, her own. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so basically, the Moses grows up in Pharaoh's palace, in um, the Egyptian palace. God really has a sense of humor. Um, he's done this multiple times with multiple people, but I just love it. just shows his humor a little bit. Um, so after Moses grows up, he decides he's going to go out and see his own people and what's going on because those are his people, basically, but he's been living in this palace. And so he goes out and he sees um, one of the Egyptians basically getting on one of the Israelites and he just um, goes crazy, just gets furious and ends up killing the Egyptian. Um, he didn't know what was going to happen, and eventually Pharaoh finds out. Pharaoh gets very mad and says he's going to kill Moses. So just like any type of movie we've watched, Moses decides to run, right? He's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to run from whatever's coming my way, whatever Pharaoh wants to do. I'm getting out of here. So it's exactly what he does. Um, he runs to Midian, uh, where he actually finds favor with the Midian priest, um, ends up Staying there, eventually marries one of his daughters, starts a family, kind of gets settled. So he becomes a shepherd. So he goes from living in this palace, getting whatever he wanted, doing whatever he wanted, to now on the run, but he finds favor, and he is now a shepherd. So that brings us to chapter 3. Um, I'm going to read it out of here. All right, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, 
I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land, out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Hopefully I said all those right. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I want to pause there for a second. So can you imagine what's going through Moses' head right now? Okay, there's this burning bush of fire that's not burning, that's talking to him. It's telling him, he knows it's God, it's telling him what to do, to go back to the place he ran from and to get his people. He's going to save his people. What would you feel if you were Moses right now? Just take a minute, just think about it. Kind of have it in the back of your brain. I personally would be like, this bush is crazy. It says it's God, but did, it have, did I have bad pizza last night? Am I hallucinating? Did I take the wrong medicine? Am I dreaming? What is going on here? I don't know what I would do. I'm just speculating, but I'm not sure I would have the words to say once the bush is telling me, go back to Egypt and save these people. I think I would be, you never have those conversations where you're like, oh man, I should have said this. And this would have been a really good point, like hours or days later, because you're still thinking about it, because that's how we are, right? We're human. I think I probably would have, I'm not sure I could have said anything. Maybe I could have, I have no idea. But I think later down the road, I've been like, no, absolutely not. No, but the great man of faith, Moses, talks back to him. It's like, nope, nope. Uh, he's like, not your guy. I'm not doing this. I wouldn't send me. Don't send me. Do you know what I did? Surely you are crazy. I killed a man. They hate me. I grew up in that house. I am not going back to Pharaoh and being like, free these people. End of story. Let's go. Not happening. I know him. So here's God's response. Exodus 3.12. He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. All right, so Moses talks back. God answers. Moses is like, okay, if we're talking, then I'm talking back too. So this is what he says, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, 
Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of, of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to, re- to be remembered throughout all generations. The rest of the chapter, God tells Moses um, to gather the elders, tells him what to say to Pharaoh. He also gives him a warning that, hey, Pharaoh's going to say no. He's going to harden his heart. He's not going to listen to you. He's not going to listen to me. But don't worry, I have your back. We're, gonna, we're still going to free them. Um, he's going to cause him hardships. Chapter 4 is where um, this just kind of illuminated in my life. And it's funny because you... As you go through life and God's working on you and doing things and then you see it through differently, it's like, man, that's just, it's crazy. So chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, so God's telling him, Moses talks back, God's talking to him, Moses talks back, so here's Moses again. Then Moses answered, um, another translation says that Moses protested again, um, so here you go, but behold, They will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. So God keeps telling Moses what to do. And Moses is like, why would you send me number one? They won't believe that it's really you. How do I answer that? What if they think I'm making it all up? He has all these concerns and questions, right? Sound familiar? Or is it just me? Maybe it's just me. What will the people think? How will they respond? Do you really know who I am? How bad I've been? What I did? What I still think, actually. You can't be serious. He's basically pleading with God not to send him. Not to go. God tells us to do something, and immediately, without even thinking about it, in front of a burning bush, Moses is like, he's got all this list of reasons, right? We can easily, if I were to give you a paper and tell you why you can't do something, we could fill it, you'd probably ask me for a second paper. If I said, give me all the reasons why you can do it, can anybody think of anything? That's difficult. So he doesn't have to think about any of these excuses, right? It's just natural because it's who we are. But God asks him what's in his hand. And not just that, but once Moses answers a staff, he tells him to throw it down. So a shepherd's staff was commonly three to six foot wooden rod with a hook at the top. I'm five six, so maybe a little bit taller, a little bit shorter. depending. I don't know how tall Moses was. Um, they used it. He, we know he was a shepherd. They used it for walking, guiding sheep. Um, I read one place, killing snakes or small animals, many other tasks. Um, but God shows Moses something using this simple uh, staff. Um, basically a stick, right? To Moses, he probably had this staff for a while. He had gotten used to it. It was probably felt a little funny walking without it. I'm sure wherever he held it, it kind of started to groove to his hand, right? It was comfortable. It was security. It was what he knew. 
Um, so then God says, throw it down. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Moses was like, why this one? Like, he's already been talking back and forth. Like, we know he's not afraid to talk back to God, to ask him questions. So, like, why do you want this stick? How about I grab another stick? Because he's in front of a bush. What if this bush burns my stick, but it's not burning the bush? I don't know. This one is just right for me. I've got it just perfect. I'm used to it. I like it. Anybody, can anybody think of anything in their life kind of like that? So, this burning bush is already telling him enough stuff he doesn't want to hear, right? God is telling him. But Moses does it anyways. What is in his hand he lets go of? He throws it down. I think if you were to ask Moses, and I'm only speculating, he was already not very happy. He didn't like this idea. He didn't understand. He, but he was willing to do it anyways. And it says he, God told him to throw it down, probably because he knew he was mad. So it was just, just throw it down. Just get rid of it. Just don't place it down. Just throw it down because he knows he's mad. I'm sure Moses, if I were Moses, I would be like, uh, probably a long pause. It doesn't say that, but probably a long pause. Like, what's, what's going to happen now? So let's reread re- re- verse 2 again. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? He said, a staff. And then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you again. God used this simple shepherd staff Moses carried as a sign to teach him an important lesson. God likes to use ordinary things for extraordinary purposes. The end of that section right there, God gave Moses two more signs. One was, uh, put your hand in your cloak. When you pull it back out, it's going to have leprosy. Put it back in your cloak. When you pull it, uh, pull it back out, it's going to be fine. Um, another one, the, the third one, and so God's giving him these things to show Pharaoh if he doesn't believe him. And so then the third one was, um, if he still doesn't believe you, go to the Nile, take some of the water, put it on dry land, pour it on dry land, it's going to turn to blood. And it'll be another sign. Um, but I want to go back to the staff. It was an everyday object to Moses. It was essentially just a stick. But when Moses let go of what was in his hand and gave it to God, it became powerful. It had purpose and meaning. It was a sign. It was to show the power, the goodness, and the faithfulness of God. I'm going to keep talking, but if you're in your Bibles, turn to Exodus 17. We know that the first thing Moses had to do was throw it down. And it became a snake. Um, what he also did with his staff is um, in Exodus 14, I know you're turning into 17, so stay in 17, but in ex- Exodus 14, um, we know the story. Pharaoh eventually, the 10 plagues come. Um, Pharaoh's finally like, get out of here, go. The people are free. So they start heading, and sure enough, they come to the Red Sea. 
And so God tells Moses to lift up your staff and part the, part the water, and it does, right? So they're walking across the Red Sea on dry land. Uh, they're in the wilderness and in 17, earlier in 17, and um, they don't have any water. They don't have any drinking water. And so everyone's complaining and murmuring, and so God tells Moses to take your staff, strike a rock, and water starts gushing out of it for drinking, right? So um, that takes us to 17, Exodus 17, verse 8. This is another thing that happened. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at wherever this place is. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So then he changed it to not just a staff, but the staff of God, because he knew it had power, it had meaning through God. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. It was never about the staff. It was essentially just a stick. It had no power. But when God told Moses to let go of what was in his hand and he gave it to God, it changed everything. God didn't need the stick. But I think it was a constant reminder for Moses of what God has done and what he can do. How faithful he was. I'm sure Moses through all this entire process, we know when God first told him, he had lots of questions. And then lots of things come up. You know, he tells him to go, and then you come up to the Red Sea, and then you're in the wilderness, and you don't have food, and then God provides food, and you don't have water, and God provides water, and like all these things are happening. And I'm sure Moses questioned several things. I think he started to question if he was crazy. I would. I do, I should say. Was he really hearing from God? But all he had to do was look at what was at hand and see what God did with a stick. God changed something ordinary and made it extraordinary. But Moses had to surrender. He had to let go of his comfort. His staff was probably a little bit of security for him. It's what he knew. He had no idea what God was going to do when he threw it down. He didn't know if he would ever get it back. I'm not sure I would have just given it up, but he does. Here's a simple glimpse at one of the character traits of God. God didn't say just throw it down and walk away from it. He said throw it down and now pick it back up once it changed. He gave it power and then said pick it back up. He is a good and loving God. If there's been anything God has been showing me over the last couple of years, it's been this over and over, just how good and loving and gracious he really is. He's not a God that just takes and never gives back. I've been seeing his character, not just in the pages, but through my own life. When you can taste and see that he's good, it's not just words, but you taste it. It changes everything. This is just a small glimpse of the character of God. Sometimes what he asks of us is scary or uncomfortable. 
I'm not sure in that moment I would have let it go, like I said. I might have needed something comfortable at that point to hold on to. You're standing in front of a burning bush that's talking to you, that's telling you to go back to the place you ran from and to free your people. And it's telling you exactly what to do. You might have felt a little crazy. You might have felt in awe. You might have felt humbled. Uh, you might have felt a little bit excited. Doubt. Definitely doubt, man. I would. But Moses let it go. I feel like he's asking us this question a lot. It's just a matter if we listen or want to. I know sometimes it's, he's always talking. It's just if we want to listen. What's in your hand? You might not even think it's a big deal. It might even be a stick, a staff. But what is it? What is it that he wants us to let go of? Maybe it's to make whatever it is powerful. Maybe it's to exchange it for something better. If I'm honest, I really hate this question. (laughs) But what is it that we have in our hand? What is he wanting us to let go of? It's scary and uncomfortable. It always seems like you're losing control, right? And when we lose control, we get mad and angry. And then we know we're out of control, but we're still mad and angry. And so then it spirals. And then we think we're justified in our anger because if, because if we weren't out of control, then we wouldn't be angry, right? And it's just this spiral thing. And then when people tell us you're crazy, you're like, no, I'm not. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. I'm trying to get out of this, but I don't know how to get out of this because we just don't let it go. We don't do the simple thing. It's hard. Or he says, let it go, and you're like, "Ah, I'll just keep it a little bit longer. Let me just think about this. I'm going to play this out. I don't think Moses was like, he's like, throw down your staff. Moses was like, okay. I wouldn't have been. He might have. He was a great man of faith. But we know he talked back to God, and that didn't make God worried. Questioning, conversating with God is exactly what he wants. It shows relationship. I've learned that one the hard way because I feel like sometimes you can't question God, but then where's the relationship? Where's the trust in that? So here he's just like, throw it down, give it away. Sometimes we're quick to surrender and we throw it down because it might be something little and, okay, that was easy. But we know the big one's coming, right? He tells you to throw the staff and you're like, okay, but then I get to keep this. Ha ha. I'm sure he had to kind of weigh the pros and cons. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how long he stood there. He might have stood there for a while and the bush just kept burning. And it was like, I guess we're not going anywhere. So I guess I'm going to throw it down. Questioning probes conversation, and he loves that. But it's the obedience that shows our trust in him. Even when we don't understand, will we let it go? Here's another thought, and this, I I do this, so maybe you guys don't, but what can you do with this? It's just a staff. What can you do with me? I'm really nobody. If you only knew what was in my head, but he does. We think that what we have in our hands is insignificant. I know I have. What we have is really nothing. 
Why would I need to lay this down? It's small. It doesn't hurt anything. I like it. It gives me a little comfort, security. You've grown used to it. I know he grown used to his staff. We might not understand what he can do with what's in our hand, but are we willing? Moses didn't like or understand anything that God was telling him that day, but he did it anyways. He was willing. Even a great man of faith questioned, but he still laid it down. So I asked the question, what's in our hand that we need to let go of? What can God do with what's in our hand? Moses laid down a stick, but when he picked it up, it parted seas. It was able to lead the Israelites out of slavery, and it gave them water. If God could do this with a stick, what can he do with what's in our hand? I was just, as I was thinking about this, couple things came to mind. A few things that were in my hand, or maybe your hand. I just picked some, some stuff. Things that we do every day that we think is just ordinary. I'm a nurse. Car, house key. I don't know what you do. It might be your pen and paper. You might think it's insignificant. What does he want to do with it? Maybe it's a dream. This has the world map on it. Maybe it's a dream that you've been holding on to, but you don't really know where it's going, and you've been praying about it, and now it's never happening, and so now you're mad. <laughs> but you've still been holding on to it because it's still a dream. My computer. Someone at the house said their phone. As soon as I was talking about the staff, they said their phone. I also have my guitar up here. I don't know what's in your hand. There's a song right now that I've been playing almost on constant repeat. <laughs> and we're going to play it in just a minute. But I want us to take the time to think about that statement. What is it that's in your hand that he wants you to let go of? Some of you, as I'm talking, you already know what it is. And some of you, maybe you don't. Ask him. Or maybe you think you know what it is, but still ask him. Because you don't know what he wants. We're just going to play this song, and if you have paper or your phone, whatever it is, I would encourage you to pull it out and to write it down somewhere. Because uh, we're human and he knows that. You're probably not just going to immediately go home and be like, okay, you're done. You're going to have to do it over and over 
and over. If we're being real for a minute, you're probably thinking, you might be thinking, what do I have to offer? Maybe what came to mind seems so useless and little. Kind of like a stick. I don't know what it is. These are just a few things that I thought of. Like I kind of said earlier, if I asked you to fill a paper up with all the things you've already told yourself what you can't do, you'd ask me for another one probably. Moses didn't tell God what he couldn't what he could do. In fact, he had a list of all the reasons why he wasn't qualified. So this morning, and while we don't really like this question, it still has to be asked. What does he have in your hand that he wants you to throw down? My hand that he wants me to throw down. It's not easy. I hope that we could be a little bit like Moses today, this week, whatever it is that he brings to your mind. And through this week, think about it and see what God shows you, what he gives you about what he can do with what's in your hand. It really doesn't matter what it is. It could be completely insignificant to you. Or you think it's little, but you like it. When Moses put it down, it changed everything. He took that with him to Pharaoh and said, we're going. And eventually Pharaoh listened. With a lot of other signs. So we're going to just play the song. Um, and then I'll come back and close it. But I really just through this, just ask him. Just get a little bit quiet, which is hard. I know it's hard. I don't like to do that either. But ask him what you have. Write it down, put it in your phone, whatever you need to do. And then through the week and through the months and as you're going through it, see how that changes for you. I was... Uh, as I was writing this, um, I thought of Uncle Randy. I know he's, I just saw him in the back. Um, you all probably know he's got an incredible vacuum ministry, right? And I, I know um, that when you talk to him about it, is that from a little kid, he always loved it. And, but he knew God was in it. He knew it was something he was supposed to do. And he's blessed me, I think, with two vacuums, maybe. <laughs> there he is. I think about a vacuum and what that means. We all need one. We all use it. It's a pretty incredible ministry he has. Just one. I, as I was writing, I, I thought about him quite a bit. So I don't know what God is showing you that's between you and God. Um, it's hard. It might be not a thing. It might be an attitude. It might be a viewpoint. I don't know what it is. We've all got stuff, though. We're all human. And he'll stand there until we give it up. And he'll keep knocking. 
but he is good and his character is to either give it back better or to exchange it. We've, it's, we've seen that all through the Bible. So I'm just, I'm just going to pray for us. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that uh, you know what we need to give up, what we need to let go of, what we're holding on to. But you still love us. Father, I just pray that we would be willing that we would continue to see your character displayed, not just through the pages, but in our own life. Give us the faith to do it anyways. The courage to do it anyways. Father, keep reminding us that you love us, that you're for us, and that you're good. Thank you for being with us this morning and through this week. And Father, we just ask that uh, you would continue to give us insight and revelation and just exactly what you're up to and what you can do with little or less. Father, we just thank you and we just want to glorify you and praise you. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.